Good morning. This is John Richardson speaking with you from Toronto, Canada. Today is Tuesday, October the 25th, 2022, and I continue my series of discussions with Jimmy Sexton of the Esquire Group in Dubai, where we are going through the lessons of the great book, Charles Adams for Good and Evil, Taxes and Civilization. And amazingly, we are today at his final lesson, lesson number 27, which doesn't seem to be necessarily all that related to the previous ones, reads, war means heavy expenditures. Heavy expenditures mean heavy taxation. Heavy taxation strangles commerce and fosters economic stagnation and decline. Probably it's the third sentence that's really the key to our discussion, but how are you, yeah, Jimmy? Yeah. I'm doing I'm doing good. I was just about to pull up my iPad and see when we started this these 27 lessons. I mean, I think it was January or February. I mean, it's taken us Actually, it was October. It was October of last year. It was 12 months ago. 12 months so it took, ago. You imagine? took us a year to get through it. Wow. Well, it's amazing stuff. And the book is the book is an incredible thing, of course. No, it's been 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 a, been a great discussion. I really enjoyed it. And but yeah, but yeah, I would agree with you. The, um, I mean, I think a lot of this is 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 pretty. I think the first part of this lesson is pretty logical. War means heavy expenditures. Heavy expenditures means heavy taxation. Uh, but certainly, I think it's the last sentence, as you said, is the one that should concern most people. Heavy taxation strangles commerce and fosters economic stagnation and, and, and decline. Absolutely. And I think that, that that's got to be the focus here with the war as, you know, one of the most obvious examples of that. But, you know, any kind of uh, massive uh, social welfare engineering, whatever, uh, you know, is heavy, heavy expenditures, therefore heavy taxation, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it seems to me that the basic problem here is that these tax codes are certainly not only about raising revenue anymore. I mean, I would argue they're only peripherally related to raising revenue. When we look at all the reporting requirements, the social engineering and that, what do you think? Well, I, I would I would I would totally agree with you. And I want to. I don't have it in front of me. I wish I had it in front of me for for today's discussion, but I was reading an article, I think it was in the Wall Street Journal the other day, and it said the primary business of government is taxation. And, you know, I always thought it was like defense, infrastructure, you know, making sure there's a legal system, these different things. Um, but but basically what this article was saying, and the article was about a um, uh, a paper that a, a tax research institute put out that was basically saying the tax is a primary function of government, and that you know it's used just as you said um, that it's that, that the reason that that is is to influence uh, people's behaviors and um, thinking and things of that nature, which is certainly you know a far cry from what I always believe taxation is was and should be which is you know revenue that the government needs to, to support itself to in order to provide these basic needs that governments are supposed to provide to their citizens but uh apparently that, that shifted 
Well, I, you know, for a long time, I have seen uh, the raising revenue thing as only a part of it. And I think it's, frankly, I think it's almost on the periphery. At yeah. this point. I mean, tax is a way to control, to influence, uh, yeah, you know, et cetera. Punish? Oh, absolutely. It's primarily punishment, right? Because if you look at, for example, so many provisions of the U.S. tax code, everybody has to do this except, you know, it's it's a way of uh, presumptive punishment and then uh, allowing certain people, carve-outs, et cetera, you know, to avoid that kind of punishment, right? Yep. So where do you see, as we come to you know, the end of all of these, these lessons, and this was written, I guess, in the, or published in any case, in the early 1990s. I mean, the, you know, the book itself was obviously researched over a long period of time. What do you think Charles Adams would say today? I mean, if he were going to write a new introduction to this book, what do you think he might say? I would say that the world's economy and governments are on the verge of collapse. I think it's a one-page book. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, look, I think, I think that as I imagine who Charles Adams was and how he kind of thought and his opinion based on, on his book, I would say that one, I think he would be very, I think he would be unsurprised, but very disappointed at the state that the world's in. And I think that he probably would think that we are headed in a, in a very dangerous direction that is not going to work well for anybody. I mean, I, I think if you look at all the cycles of tax, right, that, that we've gone through the different civilizations outlined in his book, I think you would look at it and say, you know, we're in the same cycle now. We're headed towards collapse. You know, I think that whatever else, it's very, very clear to me that issues of taxation take up too much of human attention and bandwidth. I mean, this stuff has got to be in the background, you know, to have any kind of healthy society, not, you know, front and center, you know, people waking up and thinking about, you know, their, their taxation, their tax situation for the day. Well, I mean, I'll tell you what's, I'll tell you what's interesting about that comment is I was writing a LinkedIn post the other day and um, I was thinking about, you know, some of the situations that my high net worth clients get themselves into. And, you know, just, I mean, they basically can't do anything without talking to a tax advisor. At least they shouldn't do anything without talking to a tax advisor, right? Like, I mean, they can't buy anything. They can't spend time in different countries for fear they may become residents and cause permanent establishments to the companies that they, they own. They, you know, they have to worry... I mean, I mean, just them living their life causes so many tax traps and pitfalls uh, that, that, I mean, they basically, I mean, if they really want to avoid it and not get in trouble, I mean, the first thing they should do every morning is talk to the tax advisor and say, hey, this is my plan for the day. And the tax advisor can tell them, yeah, it's okay, enjoy your day, or no, you know, we got to look at this. I mean, I feel like so many times when I talk to my clients, that there's a new issue that came up, not because they did anything groundbreaking or anything. They're just going along their normal life. And we're like, oh, hey, you know, we probably need to take a look at this. You know, I wrote a, um, a blog post a week or two ago, uh, and it was it was precipitated by, you, you probably saw this, uh, 
the uh, the U.S. extraditing one or more people from Mexico uh, who basically had been convicted of some kind of tax issue and left the United States. Uh, but anyway, uh, and then I realized, and, and the reason they were being extradited was because uh, a change in Mexico with respect to tax laws, right, increasing the penalty, had made it so that the Mexican so so that basically extradition for tax problems was now possible under the extradition treaty. And I realized, you know, it, I mean it's so obvious in hindsight, but I realized consciously that my God, you don't have to only look at tax issues, say in the United States, you've got to look at any tax changes in the country where you actually live, which might affect your tax relationship with the United States. So I mean it's far worse than no, I mean a hundred. I mean a hundred percent, right? A hundred percent. And and the laws are just constant, constantly evolving and getting more restrictive and all this stuff. Like I don't know if you've seen this new ATAD three initiative that the EU wants to do, where you know you have to basically if you don't meet these certain criteria for substance in the different countries to take advantage of a tax treaty, you have to like self-report yourself um, that you don't qualify. And then you have to, you know, it's basically like a rebuttable presumption that if you file, you don't qualify. And then you have to rebut the presumption in order to be able to try to use a tax treaty. So, I mean, basically what they're saying is, you know, listen, if you don't meet, like if you meet one of these risk factors, uh, the default is you don't qualify for a tax treaty unless you can prove yeah, yeah. that you do. Do you realize that you know all of these, all of these issues, right? In some way or another, it seems to me they actually come back to the idea that somebody who's an, a, re, a resident of one country should be taxed on activities that go on outside the country, right? Yeah. I mean, you it's know, all, that, that's the cause of the whole thing, isn't it? I mean, say you got rid of that and move the world just to a system of territorial taxation. I mean, I personally think that would be a much better system. I think it would be a much better system. I mean, I think that anything would be better for the simple reason that, I mean, at this point, this is even less about tax fairness and justice than it is, I think, about, you know, removing the massive role that tax plays in people's lives. I mean, you've heard me on this topic before. I think the Internal Revenue Code is now the Constitution of the United States, for God's sake. Well, I mean, the proper I mean, I mean, the, I mean, the problem is the governments just don't care about that. Right. Like the, the, the like governments stopped caring about their citizens a long time ago. I mean, have you seen. I know you're a New York Times reader. I don't. Do you read the digital version or the paper version? Digital. Okay, so I don't know if you've seen this. At least on the iPad app, they have a thing on there now that says, you know, watch our coverage of like democracy failing. <laughs> you know, um, and it's true. I mean, I mean, democracy, and I mean, they've been publishing a lot of stuff lately about. Um, you know, the the rise of autocrats in, in the West, like, you know, the, the guy in, in Hungary and a few other people, um, because people are tired of their democracy's not working, right? I mean, like, we've talked about it so many times. And so 
I think that, that, yeah, the people are suffering under this and it needs to be changed, but I think governments have zero motivation to do it. Well, as long as they can figure out a way to stay in power, they have zero motivation to do it. Yeah. It's a gigantic problem. You know, it's as though also these governments, I mean, if it isn't bad enough, you know, they're just trying to do everything to stay in power. I mean, they treat their citizens as employees, if you will, and they treat non-tax residents as guests, right? So, you know, we've got yeah. a situation where, you know, the non-tax residents are treated better than the better than the citizens who live in the country. I mean, you know, I think that that's somewhat outrageous. What do you think? Well, uh, well, I mean, absolutely. I mean, just look at the United States. I mean, if you don't live in the United States and you just spend, you know, a few months a year there, it is far more advantageous from a tax perspective to do business with the U.S. as a non-resident or a foreign company than it is an American company. Well, of course it is. I mean, isn't this a, you know, a possible argument for renunciation of U.S. citizenship? We're now oh, get better to U.S. tax benefits. No, no, no. listen, I, I, I know people that have done it for exactly this reason. So when is this whole thing going to collapse under its own weight? I mean, it's gotten so bad that, I mean, any, even the best tax minds that I'm aware of only really understand some subset of these problems. Would you agree? Oh, for sure. I mean, I mean, listen, I mean, I, I, I think I have a pretty good knowledge of, of international tax, but even then, you know, I mean, I know subpart F and, you know, foreign trust taxation and, you know, a few topics like that very 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 well but you know you want to start talking about you know retirement or any of this stuff and i'm, I'm lost well you're, you're a long way from retirement jimmy you know as you get closer you won't be as lost believe me you'll take an interest in it well i'm not american so i'm not gonna have to worry about well that's true american that's true you've got the retirement. gold standard in life being yeah. not american so on that topic i mean what do you think about you know, so we've gone through all these these Charles Adams lessons and had this, you know, it's a fascinating discussion. It's a blend of tax, sociology, politics, you know, what have you. In 1996, James Dale Davison wrote this great book, The Sovereign Individual. This is in 96, yeah. and he is predicting that people are going to have to renounce U.S. citizenship, you know, as we move into the digital age, right? He's actually predicting this. And yeah, what do you think? You think the expatriations are going to uh, continue and continue and continue? I think so. I mean, I'm I'm seeing I'm seeing a lot of you know, I, I kind of the expatriations is kind of fact that come out came out you know in 2010 and until 2015 or so there was a big rush to expatriate and then you know the banks and everybody kind of got a handle on it and kind of saw it slow down. In the last 18 months, I've seen a a really big uptick in the interest in expatriations. I and mean, I think we're going to continue to see more. But I mean, beyond simply expatriations in the, in the United States, I mean, I think we're also going to see a huge shift in where people live, right? Especially people who have the ability to remote work or people with substantial wealth. I think I read an article yesterday in Bloomberg that was saying, I think he said there's 29 countries that offer digital nomad visas where you don't pay any tax. If you're a digital nomad, you live there and you do your work. Um, you see more and more countries. I mean, Dubai is obviously flourishing. 
Um, but you see more and more countries trying to attack, uh, attract wealthy taxpayers. And Spain is talking about expanding the Beckham Law. Italy now has a, a tax advantage residency law. I believe Greece does too. Portugal, Malta. So how are these high tax countries like the U.S., Canada, the U.K. How are they going to respond to this? Well, I mean, I think the U.S. has citizenship tax. Well, I mean, I mean, look, I mean, Italy itself is a very high tax country, right? I mean, so 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 is Portugal. But what what they're doing? I mean, what these got what these countries are doing is they're saying, hey, listen, if you have money. And you're not going to, or, or at least you're not going to take jobs from our people, and you're not going to use our social system, then we're going to give you tax advantage living and you can come here and enjoy it. So, I mean, especially within the EU, EU it's become a competition of, hey, how can we get digital nomads and wealthy people? Because there's only upside for the country. So now there's already, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure you remember from, you know, reading Charles Adams' book. I mean, one of the one of the key things that happens before collapse of the system is flight, right? Um, and I think we're seeing that from the U.S. and we're, and I think the fact that all these countries are trying to attract digital nomads and high high net worth individuals show there's a market for people fleeing high tax countries. Oh, there clearly is. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. So at some point, this has to reach the breaking point. Yep. What happens then? I mean, do you think that the U.S. will go so far as to prevent expatriation? I, I, I have a... I don't know that they will go so far as to outlaw expatriation. But I could see them going back to sort of what the expatriation law used to be, where, you know, there's a long tax lease, John. Mm -hmm. Potentially. You mean add that to the exit tax rules? Yeah. I mean, add that to the exit tax rules or, you know, doing something like what was it back then that was called the Expatriate Act? Where they wanted to, you know, if you're a covered expatriate, you'd be barred from entering the United States or something like that. So I don't know that they, I don't know that, because I think you have a constitutional right to it, don't you? I mean, in the Supreme Court. You no, know, that's a very interesting question. That's a very interesting question. Um, you have a constitutional right to keep your citizenship, right? That's what the Ephorium case says. Uh, whether there's a constitutional right to expatriate, I'm not, I think the conventional wisdom is there is, but I'm not 100% sure of that. I mean, my, 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 for some reason I thought there was, but even if there isn't, I think coming out and saying, hey, you can't give up your citizenship. I mean, that's something like Iran is like that, right? You can't give up your citizenship. And I don't think the U.S. wants to be compared to Iran. Well, they don't want I think, to be compared to Eritrea. Yeah. That's true. But but what they but what they very well may do, what I think they will do, is just make it a lot more complicated and difficult and increase the consequences of expatriation um, rather than out and out outlawing it. And you know, that's what I you talk like that, and really, from my perspective, all they have to do is make it more complicated is issue clear treasury regs under the 877A rules. 
Yeah, I mean that would be nice. I mean, what? I mean, what if they come out with their guidance in 09? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, I think it, pretty much everybody tries to, you know, align with the guidance, but it is guidance. Yeah, sure. uh, it doesn't have the status of being regs, but my no, guess, no. Is that they, they were to come out with regs, I, I would imagine a much greater degree of complexity. Yes, I'm, I'm with you on that. Well, that's that is interesting. That is interesting. Um, you know, the bottom line on this is that I mean, I wouldn't go so far as I mean, taxation is not a form of slavery or anything like that. But it is very, very clear that once taxation moves beyond the principal purpose of funding governments, uh, yeah. that it has huge potential to uh, impact on what people's expectations are of their rights and dignity as yeah. individuals. Dude, I agree with you. Have you ever seen that movie, The Matrix? Yeah, I have, but I don't remember it. All right, okay. Well, then my comment makes no sense. Well, let's hear um, it. Well, no, I was going to say, I don't know if you remember in that movie, right? They live in a, in a digital world, and they're basically using all of the human beings as, as, as batteries, right? They're using their energy, and they're all captive in these pods and whenever i see that movie it makes me think of of tax right like the government is is the matrix just sucking the money from all these these pods of people right i mean it's really in the eyes of government that's the only use of their citizens is, is to pay taxes i guess right or how, or how about just viewing americans abroad as why don't we call them and nodes yeah yeah node i like that a fact and node. Yeah, exactly. Fact and node number. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's, you know, it's diversified revenue streams. <laughs> yeah, extraterritorial revenue streams. I mean, and, I, and I'm clear. I mean, I'm clearly convinced that like these social medical systems and stuff. You know, people think it's for their benefit. I mean, it somewhat is, but I think it's the government's keeping people alive so they can continue to generate revenue for the government. Well, um, it is pretty clear that uh, I do think the primary purpose of a business of government is taxation. It is now. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, you know, this uh, Sinclair Lewis, this American novelist, uh, mm -hmm. the, uh, I don't know, sometime in the last century. You ever read Babbitt, Main Street, those books? Probably not. No, I don't Read, read Babbitt's a great book. It's a great book. But anyway, um, you know, it's this, this small business guy in middle America. And, you know, he says, the business of the American people is business. All right. This is what he says. Yep. Now, 100 years later, the business of the American people is taxation. Right. That's all governments think about. That's what people think about. You know, I mean, even the whole, if you look at the attempts of the Biden administration you know, to get their, uh, their their basic projects through, right? It's all couched in the language of taxation. Well, and yeah, for sure. And, you know, going back to, to our lesson, right? So heavy taxation strangles commerce and fosters economic stagnation and decline. I mean, I mean, I think we're just seeing that in spades right now. I mean, especially within within, you know, with all this transparency stuff and all these, you know, economic substance regulations and DAC 6 and all this stuff, 
I mean, I think in, in Europe, especially, I mean, their regulations are so tight that, I mean, business is getting strangled. Basically, I think that a better way to put this is that this kind of tax regime and taxation is a soul-sucking, life-destroying thing. It just destroys lives. That's all it does. You know what? That should be on your website, John. Oh, too, it's too simple for the average mind. Yeah, too I agree with you. The average mind. You know, people can't, they can't even begin to understand what's expected of them. They, you no. know, I saw this fascinating article coming out of New Zealand yesterday about uh, this American family. They have something called a Kiwi Saver, and yeah. a Kiwi Saver is apparently, uh, you know, some kind of thing where you start working. Okay, a certain percentage of your income gets paid into this fund, you know, and it's invested for you, etc. And you know, I, I have no idea what this is from a U.S tax perspective but the the whole article assumed that it was a foreign trust okay and therefore was subject to you know the usual nonsense along with the expense of, of reporting this type of stuff but what i found amazing about the article was the helplessness the implicit sort of helplessness and not even understanding what was going on right just sort of this idea that they had to pay, you know, $700 a year for each of these foreigners, for each of these kids. I mean, you imagine the thing's probably worth less than $700. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, Australia Australia has, you know, the, the, the super, super funds. funds. Yeah, super right. Funds. And I mean, I remember, I think there's guidance on it now, but I remember, you know, 15 years ago when I was dealing with those, like nobody knew what was going on, right? Half of the people who said it was a foreign trust, half said it didn't, like nobody could agree. It was a nightmare. Oh, and, and it continues to be a nightmare, as does this. Yeah. You know, the, the final thing that I found astounding about it was that the complaint, and this really, uh, you know, I didn't see anybody talk about this, but this is what really bothered me more than anything was that, you know, this family had gone to New Zealand politics, and apparently you're not allowed to close one of these Kiwi savers, right? Saying, allow American citizens to close Kiwi savers. In other words, the whole article was pitched on the assumption that New Zealand was doing something wrong here, not the United States. I mean, it was just, it was just shocking. That, yeah, that is shocking. Shocking. Not surprising, shocking. Yeah, not surprising. Not surprising, shocking. Well, you know what? As we come to the end of this Charles Adams series, I'm going to say that it seems to me that not so much for civilization to survive, but for civilization to actually prosper and humanity to evolve in a significant way, I think Charles Adams would probably say that these tax rules have got to be completely changed. And taxation should be rolled back to being about revenue, not life control. Well, for sure. And, and like we've said so many times on this podcast, and it needs to be simple. That's right. It needs to be simple. Only way to get simple, as long as these governments take the position that they ought to be able to tax economic activity in other countries, it's not going to be simple. The world yes. needs, in the interest of simplicity, 
the world needs to move to territorial taxation and countries need to compete based on their tax environments. Well, and that's complete. I mean, that's always, you know, that's what I've said so many times in different blog posts. I've said it on, 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 on panels sitting next to you um, is tax competition is healthy. I mean, without it, with, I mean, tax competition is a requirement and, and it should be tax competition. It's not harmful. It's healthy. Well, I certainly agree with you preaching the converted there, but ask Janet Yellen. Janet Yellen think it's healthy? Absolutely not. No, 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 no. Janet Yellen wants to basically impose higher higher costs, additional costs on multinationals that are not U.S.-based. You know, I once saw a bumper sticker that said, never steal. The IRS hates competition. And I think that's pretty accurate. I think it's 100% accurate. And I think we should generalize it, though, because the IRS isn't the only offender. How about don't steal? No government likes competition. Exactly. Yeah. And on that note, probably a good time to stop for now. This has been another great discussion. And I think we've got to pick this up with the Ten Commandments and taxation starting soon. Absolutely. So final thoughts on this, including where would people get a hold of you for some tax wisdom, tax simplicity, and tax rationality? Well, my my, my final thoughts are this. I think we're in the the end of the cycle, getting nearing the end of the cycle towards collapse. Um, I think anybody who wants to escape the burdensome taxation of the West, there are options to do it. But it's not going to be sitting in the comfort of your own home. You got to take action. Depends on what your priorities are. Uh, and anybody that wants to contact me to figure out how to do that can uh, visit me at esquiregroup.com or shoot me an email at info at esquiregroup.com. That's great. And until next time, great to speak with you again. Thank you very much. Thank you.